Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. Debo joins us as always, as does Hannah Ostopchuk. It is a uh, crazy season in the NBA. We're going to get to that in just a minute. NFL coaches vacancies are starting to get filled, which is kind of fun to watch, although some of those coaches won't actually be able to be the head coach for another couple weeks due to the playoffs. We got an interview. We got Allen Robinson, wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think Debo secretly wanted him because he's a Penn State guy. Like that was a lot of that <laughs> Homer call right there. We're going to do our top five. Uh, we got a special one today, which has to do with our first topic we want to get to. Raja, the NBA is like the real housewives. It should be like the real housewives of the NBA because you have so much bickering and all these beefs and guys going at it either online, but it's even better when they're going at it in person as we had just a couple nights ago when the Rockets go back to the Clippers in L.A. CP3 is going home to his old team. They have the tribute video. They're giving him all the love until the ball is tipped, right. and then it just goes sideways in a hurry. So much so that I'm sure everybody's heard about it by now. But afterwards, after, and I was chippy during the game. Blake Griffin's yelling at Mike D'Antoni. Uh, Austin Rivers is chirping from the bench. Right. And it was bad during the game. Who Was was it Trevor Ariza who ripped Blake Griffin's tights? Yeah. He had him. But it got to the point where a group of Rockets players – Go hunting them down. They wanted to go to the Clippers locker room after the game to throw down. Your thoughts on the NBA drama that unfolded the other night? Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's like, where do I I begin? Yeah, where do you start with that? Well, first off, um, like you had to know that those Clippers players felt some kind of way about the exit of CP3. you know, whenever, whenever somebody doesn't feel like their situation is good enough to get the job done and you leave and go to another one, there are going to be some feelings from the people left behind. Um, so that's just human nature. But what, what I thought like kind of fueled it was the play with Blake Griffin running into Mike D'Antoni. Yeah. Now there was some chippiness going on and, and, you know, that's part of the game. But when I watched that play, Mike D'Antoni is on the sideline. Now granted he's near, near half court. He's by the scores table, but he is not in the court of play. And I see Blake Griffin, I don't know if it was a rebound or, or a steal, but he kind of points at Mike D'Antoni to tell the referee to get him off the court. And then he goes out of his way because he could have run straight up the court. Yeah. He runs at like a, I don't know, 45-degree angle towards the sideline, makes contact with Mike as he's running by, flips a little elbow at him and catches him like in the chest and with his tie. And, the, and then, you know, finishes with a strong and one. So Mike like blew a gasket. Um, and I think that's what – like. Players get into it, but when you mess with like their coaches and, and you start you start taking it a step further than just talking trash on the court or just getting physical, then it becomes something personal. I think that started it, and then everything just kind of exploded from there. So Blake Griffin did. Did you see Top Gun? Remember when they would do the flyby and yeah. they'd go by the tower and yeah. the guy would spill his coffee everywhere? That's, right. that's what Blake Griffin did. Like He beelined right over there towards your boy. And then D'Antoni's going at, like, chirping back at him. Sure. But he actually said, he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, He He went after him. He was demonstrative. If you could read lips, you could see very clearly what he was saying. So I don't, I I guess, to me, it does show how bad a relationship it was with Chris Paul in this team and the bad blood. I don't know. I feel like, like, do you have a side in this one, like, who you felt was right? Because I don't know if Blake Griffin 
has that mentality, that killer instinct mentality of I want to win championships. I don't know that. And right. I feel like CP3 does, and maybe that didn't mix, and maybe that's why Chris Paul was vocal about it, said I don't know if he's got what it takes. And then when you've got two alpha males in there going at it like that, I think guys start to pick sides in that locker room, which creates a lot of tension, which yeah. is why the Clippers have underperformed the last few years. I don't pick a side in who I think's like right or wrong. Um, I do tend to agree with you. Like those are t- guys that are just wired different. Um, but the problem is their skill sets are kind of similar. They're they're different size and stature, but they both want the ball in their hands. They both kind of like to play make. Like Blake Griffin is a finisher, but he also, you know, when Chris Paul's out, he does a lot of facilitating. So, you know, obviously there's only one basketball. So some of those there's going to be an overlap in skill sets, and you know they're both highly regarded at their position in the NBA. So. I don't think they naturally fit together, and I think they kept them together and experimented with that, tried to force it to work a little too long. Like that, They should have made that observation and kind of parted ways early, but that's a hard thing for general managers to do in any sport when you have two great players at their position realize that it's not going anywhere and, and let's get off of one to try to build for the future. But, you know... The the problem I had with it was was the was the locker room incident after like what right. are you what are you going in there to do like what are you what are <laughs> yeah, you they're they're throw down no they're not going to throw anything <laughs> down like if you want to throw down you if you want to throw down in the NBA there's one way to do it as soon as you catch the dude in your face you put a hand on him that's the only <laughs> way it's going down because anything short of that there's going to be somebody involved that can break it up and yeah. these guys know that so. You know, I heard reports that they just wanted to be seen or heard. Like, what the hell do I need to hear from you, bro? You just got your ass whooped. Get on the plane. Get out of town. Don't come running up in my locker room. Like, it, it, I've never seen that. I've seen, forgive me for getting long-winded here. No, I, I want to hear it. I've I seen know, some I, stories. I I've seen Derek Coleman, who is from Detroit. Uh-huh. Um, Chris Weber from uh, the outskirts of Detroit, right? C-Web said something to Derek Coleman one night in Philadelphia. I don't know what it was. Um, Coleman got... You know, got angry, felt disrespected. His locker was next to mine. You know, we, we came in the locker room. He pulled his shorts off, left all his sweaty tights and socks on, pulled his velour jumpsuit back on, and went and wait for, waited for uh, Chris Weber for like an hour outside the locker room. Like, Chris Weber did not want to come out. Like, the, in those days, like, you could get away with that. Like, he was headhunting for that dude. I've seen. Well, Kevin Garnett did it not too long ago, right? Who was it? Was it Mello that he went after that they had a beef with? And, and Kevin Garnett went after him in the locker room, like was chasing him down in the thing. Cause I think that's the one thing that's unique about the NBA is the fact that the arenas are smaller. So a lot of times the locker right. rooms are closer and the NFL, they're, they're close too. But in the NFL, you bounce after the game, like every single time. And I think like sometimes, is there any chance you could there, see a guy at a club or you could see him out? Yeah, you could see him but out, usually but usually you fly out. But see, the NBA arenas are different. You have to walk usually past the, the locker room or the other opponent's locker room to get to the buses. And then the buses and the cars, like the home team is driving there in cars. And the bus for the opponent is usually in the same area. So you're going to cross paths again. So to, to that point, and, and I saw Kirk Snyder um, – Leave a game. He got into a beef with Jerry Stackhouse. And Jerry Stackhouse, like, this is the way you had to fight in the NBA if you weren't going to do it on the court. Jerry just kind of meandered around, like, kind of hung out outside the, the, the Dallas locker room. And when Kurt Snyder came walking by, Jerry Stackhouse put hands on him. Because, you know, it wasn't a production. Like, I'm, if I really want to get at you, I'm not going to make a production out of this. I'm just right. going to kind of chill. I'm going to wait. And then we can, we can do this. And, and so I wonder when you go over there with five, six, seven dudes, like, you really don't want no problems. Like, no. that's too big of a, of a contingent to go in there and, and not draw attention. So uh, Blake Griffin and your boy Chris Paul did talk about it. Here's what they had to say. It's always like that when you hoop, especially when you're playing against a former team and stuff like that, all the emotions that go into it, seeing the, 
familiar faces and stuff like that. Uh, you know, for us, uh, we got to be better. Um, get them the credit they won the game. What happened in the locker room after the game? We were where we were supposed to be. We were in our locker room. So, um, whatever happens over there, I mean, we can't control what anybody else does. We controlled what we did. We were in our locker room. Everybody was in our seats. That was it. You should ask, you, you got to ask them. What did you and Dan Tony say to each other? And then what you happened? Didn't see? I couldn't see you. I saw it on the scoreboard. I only, uh, I only saw so him. So ask me what I said. But I, what did you say? Well, after he said what he said, I said the same thing back. Okay. And then uh, second part, uh, what <laughs> I love were you, you I love and you Trevor too. saying to each other there? He asked me if I was still coming to his birthday party. I said, yeah, I'm going to try. <laughs> Fantastic. Blake is pretty good, man. He's he pretty is. good with the meat. He's got a big personality. Yeah. Uh, my biggest problem was Austin Rivers chirping from the bench like you're going to do something. You're a suit over there. You're you're, you're hobbled because you got a, a boot on your ankle. Right. Just just stop chirping at that point. And he must have been saying some things that obviously bothered the players because you can't get at that guy on the court. Right. Yeah, that's uh... – yeah, bench guys in suits. It's always it's they're always going to be over there rapping. The, the, there are a couple dudes in that that may be built for that kind of action. Yeah. Patrick Beverly is one of them. Oh, like, I wouldn't want to mess with Patrick, Patrick Beverly. Beverly. May be built like that. Um, Trevor Ariza possibly. Reportedly, um, he was the one that was most aggressive when yeah. they snuck in that back entrance. There's <laughs> reports that say Chris Paul and James Harden were actually just trying to bring him back. Yeah, Ooh. I like Trevor Ariza, Patrick Beverly. Um, you know, CP3's got a little nasty, but he ain't, like he ain't getting ready to go get down like that. So like. The production in the NBA. Let's 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 stop. Let's let's just square up and let's throw these things. Like if we really want to, let's do it. Yeah. Let, and I think the NBA. Like, I don't know. Come on, I gotta find some kind of rule for that, man. Like if it's a, <laughs> if it's an agreeable fight, like like we want to do this. Yeah. Be, like hockey be has, last night in Apollo, right? Yeah. We're agreeing to do this. It's gonna cost you two games. It's gonna cost me two games. But we're gonna get this straight. Right. Let's do it right now. Right. And they, it's almost like hockey. Like they let them go and there's rules. There's unwritten rules until they hit the ice. Then they break, break them up, up. But they let them fight right. until they hit the gr- ice. I'm with you. Let's have a little side ring right there. Let them go. Absolutely let not. Them, let them <laughs> fight. Come on, Anna. Uh, so there's another beef out there that's kind of Kyle Lowry and Ben Simmons. Ben yeah. Simmons, rookie, you know, playing great for the Sixers. He's had some issues throughout the year several times, but most recently it was Kyle Lowry and him getting into it. They pointed at each other like they were going to meet at the tunnel, like meet right. at 3 o'clock at the, after the bell rings after school. Too much and production, I, bro. Just do it. <laughs> yes. If you want it, just do it. <laughs> like your boy Aflalo, right. who took who went for the haymaker, yeah, went, for the, went for the knockout blow. But it does seem like Ben Simmons is having trouble with being a rookie, being treated like a rookie, and kind of falling in line, so to speak. I yeah. think there are different rules for rookies. You're supposed to pay your dues, pay your respects, and he's not having it. I like that. I you do. like it from Ben Simmons. I like it, not from ben, it. I like it from Ben Simmons. You know, you're going to get tested as a rook. especially. So my first time playing LeBron, right, I, I came off of a screen, LeBron set a screen, and I took my elbow – and I tried to hit him as hard as I could in his solar plexus. <laughs> just, you know, you're you're trying to see what this cat is. You've heard all about him. Yeah. You've seen all the videos, right? And you know that I got seven years of going up against this this guy. If he's a monster, you know, we got a problem. So if I could take his heart now, I'm going to take it. Um, he kind of looked at me and laughed, hmm. at, at which point I said, okay, I, he's for real. You know, so like, but if, if, a, if a rook runs away from that moment, like, he's yours for a while. You know, so Ben Simmons, LeBron's, like any rook, you, you can't let a vet take your heart with any kind of, you know, silliness like that because, you know, he, he is going to have to be the face of that franchise. Like, that, he's not a role player. He is the guy. So, um, you know, what was interesting about that one to me was it didn't even look like the beef was with 
with Kyle Lowry. It was like Markinen, is that his name from mm-hmm. Toronto? Mm-hmm. Like, what was it, four or five seconds left, and it was a box out on a free throw. They were down six, and Ben Simmons was just chilling, and he kind of like tried to bulldoze him. So it looked like the beef was there, and then Kyle Lowry hopped in, started popping off at the mouth. <laughs> like I got no problem with it with Ben Simmons. Right. And Ben Simmons, his, his explanation afterwards, he said, I think they're just trying to test me. I don't know if they're trying to test me or see how I am on the court, but I don't play around. I'm not going to take any bleep from anybody, <laughs> which is – it's that's the attitude you kind of have to have, but I think there is a fine line there because you have to earn it, like, oh, and, and clearly he is. He's, he's a player. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's player on the court. It. But, but you, you earn it like by not getting let, letting them disrespect. Correct. You, right? If that's you once in a blue moon, yeah, then you're not really earning it. That's fake. But if every time somebody does that to you, you're gonna stand up and be like, "Not me, partner." Like eventually they'll be like, "He's not the one." Like let him ride. He's he's not you know about that. So. You just have to be consistent and don't take don't take stuff from anybody. All right, so we we have some NBA feuds that we're talking about, which because it's Wednesday, so we got to do our top five list. Right. Let's do our top five f- sports feuds oh, of wow. all time. Okay, I uh, got a couple. Go ahead, go. You I got so my one that I thought about was Tyson Holyfield. Yeah, remember those yeah, dudes yeah. going at it? They had some epic. Ma- then Tyson's like, "I'm going to eat your children." Yeah, fights his ear <laughs> off. I mean, those were some epic heavyweight bouts. Like, right. I missed those those fights. I got one from the tennis world, and I remember watching this when I was like six or seven years old. But Borg versus McEnroe ah. playing at Wimbledon. Okay, I know tennis. You don't think it was too, but they were such different personalities. And Wimbledon all buttoned up. Too yeah, yeah, like, but McEnroe wasn't right, buttoned correct. up. He wasn't having any of it. Um, I also remember George Steinbrenner versus Billy Martin. Debo actually gave us this one as a suggestion. Yeah, he got fired like four times and rehired. They go back at it, play it in the New York media. Any New York feud is going to be better because right. of the coverage that it's going to get on those back pages. And then I would put Shaq and Kobe up there too. When you yeah. start mm-hmm. st- saying stuff about personal life, that's when it kind of gets a little bit more <laughs> yeah, salty, that, a little that's more ugly. interesting. That's yeah. ugly. How one, about you? What do one you more. One more. Uh, you go give me a couple. I'm going to come up with a better one. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Rajon Rondo and Ray Allen. Ooh. Relatively recent. It wasn't on yeah. the list, but but Rondo, I don't. I think just recently started like even saying Ray Allen's name. Like, they were, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they would not, they would not break bread or talk or anything like that because of the way that went down and him going Ray Allen going to the Heat. Um, Sprewell and Carlissimo. Yeah. I mean, that's physical, right? Yeah, I, I my man PJ. Yeah, I choke you <laughs> out. PJ's a great dude. I, I love him ESPN. He's a great dude. PJ's He's a awesome. good dude. And Spree's a good dude, too. Yeah, but, but they, weren't, no, no, they, they weren't, weren't seeing eye to eye. Um, Magic and Isaiah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, they were besties. <laughs> yeah, but they're kissing out there. I they were besties. They were besties. And then, oh, yeah. like, they didn't speak for decades. Yeah, like, they 20 just years. just recently, right. And they were crying. Um, Tanya and Nancy is, like, the gold that's standard. Oh, my gosh. Thing, like, that's, like, yeah. especially right now. Right? right. You're not going to see like the movie still not Tanya. even. Yeah, it's still yeah. not even settled. Apparently, they make Tanya Harding look better. Really? Like they In actually, the movie? Yeah, that's what like I heard. Harrigan? Yeah, like, they give her excuses. Like, her background was one of the reasons why uh, she did it. She was more desperate what? than Nancy Kerrigan. Oh, yeah, because she was, like, abused or something. Yeah. That makes it okay. Right. Of course. No, I saw in Good Morning America too. They asked her to apologize, and she was like, "I'm done apologizing." So, like that feud lives on. Love that one. (laughs) All right, what about what about the Patriots versus like Tom Brady versus Roger Goodell? Deflategate was one of the biggest scandals in the history of the NFL. That feud is is up there for me. That's a big one. Um, the Mark Cuban and and um David Stern one was epic too. Yeah, and it lasted like for a long time. Anytime Mark said something, they got fined. Um, any feud with a with a with a commissioner is fantastic <laughs> yes. because it's so futile. Like you can't win it. Right. That's but true. That guy holds dudes, all the cards. He holds them all. But people like 
Mark Cubans, Tom Brady, like ego's so big that they don't care. They're just going to keep doing it. All right, we tease it at the top of the show. We're excited to have our next guest, Allen Robinson, wide receiver from the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, we got Allen Robinson, wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars, joining us, man. We really appreciate it. We know things get a little bit crazy, especially with the year you guys have had. But I'm sure it's been a little bit bittersweet for you getting injured in the first game of the season. How are you doing health-wise? I'm doing well. Coming along good. Um, I just passed my four-month mark, you know, so I'm starting to uh, – I'm starting to to progress into some more athletic things as far as jogging, um, jogging at my full weight, being able to do some jumps and things like that, you know. So, so it's fun to be able to get back to do that. How back tough to doing that stuff, you know? It's it's taking a minute. Is it tough for you to watch from the sideline as the team's having all the success and you just can't do anything about like you can't get out there and be with your boys? Uh, yes, yeah, extremely tough, you know. Um, especially uh, especially a couple weeks ago, you know that wild card game that at uh, Everbank Field, you know, that's something the last four years that I've been here that we've, you know, kind of kind of really worked to to be able to get accomplished, you know, to be able to sell out Everbank, have an atmosphere like that, you know, in a in a playoff game, you know. So being able to uh, being able to see that was definitely frustrating. And, and even going into last week, you know, um, a divisional game like that in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field, you know, it's, it's for sure frustrating being on the sideline in games like that. But Alan, I saw your your Snapchat. You were you were still really feeling the moment, like and feeling the energy from that win, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, once we got back to uh, to Jacksonville, we had about twenty thousand fans that were at Everbank Field welcoming welcoming us back home. You know, so I mean, um, awesome. it's still been an exciting experience. You know, uh, again, um, this is not anything that you can. One thing in this league that you can never guarantee is is um is a uh, winning. You know, so I mean, being mm-hmm. being in this uh being in this kind of environment and, you know, going going on this ride and journey has been fun. So, Alan, look, I got injured. I, I tore a wrist up later in my career, and I found that although I couldn't be out there with my teammates, I had to kind of find other things that I wanted to get better at while I was injured, whether it be, you know, my lower body strength or just the mental part of the game by watching a lot of video. Have you done any of that this year? Yeah, definitely. You know, being able to see the game from this aspect, uh, it's definitely going to help me out, you know, being able to – to watch the game and starting uh, down in differences and, and seeing different situations as far as how how I would approach that, you know. What I mean, um, I think I think this is one of those things where you can definitely uh, kind of get a mental advantage as far as as far as kind of seeing the game from a different perspective. You know, when you're when you're out there, things are going pretty fast. And I mean, even for me mentally, you know, I've been able to to even slow the game down even more as far as as far as watching it from this perspective. So you guys are a young team. You guys are talking a lot of trash, and I love it. Like, it's fun to, to hear it play out. Uh, like, Jalen Ramsey's talking after it at that big celebration, and he's saying, we're going to win this bleep. You know, he's out win there going out. He's out. <laughs> Calais Campbell's predicting scores of other games. Is there any sense from the coaches? Because I know how they, they never want to provide bulletin board material. Are they ever like, hey, guys, we need to take it easy on the trash talk? Or are they just like, whatever, man, it's working? Um, to be honest, you know, uh, Coach Marone is definitely one of those guys who um, who doesn't want to uh, provide any any uh, bulletin board material. But um, at the same time, you know, he understands the kind of players that we have uh, on our team, you know, and um, the the emotion that that a lot of the guys play with, you know, especially on defense. You know, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of um, what has given them their their edge, you know, all year. And then for for a lot of these guys, that's what's giving these guys their edge. Their, 
their entire lives as far as playing the game. You know, we got guys like Jalen Ramsey, Malik Jackson, you know, Yannick. I mean, these guys play fully off emotion every time they go out there, they lay it on the line, you know. So I just think it's one of those things that kind of go hand in hand, you know. I mean, Coach would definitely um, not like to provide uh, bulletin board material. But at the same time, you know, with some of these players, you know, it for sure gives them their edge and helps give us our edge. Hey, so on those lines, like who is the best trash talker on the Jags team? <laughs> I would have to say Jalen is definitely top uh, up there. Uh, between Jalen, uh, Yannick, uh, and I'll probably say Malik Jackson. Blake <laughs> uh, Bortles is pretty good, too. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's the shocker of this interview so far. Hold on a second. So you're telling me Blake Bortles is talking trash during games? He he definitely does. He he sneaks it in there, you know. What the heck? Uh, he... it's, it's, it's actually fun to watch. <laughs> what? Well, he hasn't been talking much before this year, though, right? I mean, because he, he's been one of the biggest turnaround surprises of the NFL is his success the year. Because I mean, he's had a much maligned career, struggling with interceptions, struggling with consistency. Has he always chirped that much, or is this a new thing since you guys have started winning? I won't say he chirps a lot, you know, but he's always definitely chirped a little bit, you know. And I think that, um, I think that he's always he's always playing with a chip on his shoulder, you know. And I think just us as a as a uh, offense, you know, we've all kind of kind of played with a chip on our shoulder, you know, because until this year, you know, we, I mean, we didn't we didn't reach the success that we may have wanted to reach, you know, but we knew the talent that we had in our rooms. But um, it was just one of those things, you know, we never really uh, we never got respect, you know, from any of the uh, defenses and things that we were playing. Granted. Granted, we weren't winning games as well, but as a player, you know, for, you know, I mean, that's not, that's not a, uh, I mean, that's kind of a non-negotiable, you know, I mean, if, if the players talk trash to you, you know, you want to talk trash back. Do you think Bortles has gotten a lot better, or do you think this is what happens when you give a good quarterback a, a decent run game, a really good run game with Leonard Fournette, and a spectacular defense? Like, that's, cause I look at it and I do see him making more throws, I mean, he's making better throws, but I also see it, for the first time in his career, he's actually had some pieces around him that help him. Yeah, I think this offseason he definitely went, you know, and and um and tried to improve. You know, I mean, as far as um, I mean, but that's expected, you know, from uh from uh, every player in this league. You know, as far as going into the offseason, you know, you want to improve upon what you um where you left off at. You know, so I mean, I definitely say he he honed in on that. You know, but at the same time, you know, I've always been a a person to say that um I never really thought his it was a uh, it was a uh, one person why our offense wasn't going. You know, it was a it was a it was a multitude of things. You know, I mean, um, we had to we had to get better around them. You know, we had to play better football. You know, um, at the same time, it's all about complementary football. You know, when you play uh, offense, defense, and special teams, you know, it's a lot of different game situations how you can kind of uh, manipulate the game based on those uh, other other aspects. You know, and even like you said, being able to establish a better run game you know it kind of uh it kind of puts everything you know everything goes together so when when you got hurt so Bortles came over there and he like checked on you and he slapped your leg which is what you actually hurt did you what give him a hard that? yeah did you give him a hard time for that <laughs> i didn't give him a hard time he actually texted me uh he actually texted me right um it was either before I had surgery or like right after, um, uh, and he uh, he apologized to me. But I thought it was pretty funny because I didn't I didn't I didn't really notice it until, um, of course, you know, social media catches everything. So um, um, I want to say probably shortly after it happened uh, on Twitter, a lot of people were posting that, and I thought it was pretty funny. 
Uh, speaking of Twitter, so I saw that Leonard Fournette tweeted yesterday saying me and Jalen Ramsey are dropping a song if we get 20,000 retweets. So far they're up to like 27,000 Oh, right yeah, now. it's going to happen. Is this a uh, thing? Like, is that happening? Have you heard it at all? Um, I have not heard this song, <laughs> but I um, definitely think that that probably is for sure happening. Like, you know, would I you? Think <laughs> it's probably a real thing. This is my first time hearing it. Oh, okay. But, um, would you but, want uh, to listen no one, to it? No one knows. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to listen to it. Um, I don't, I don't know how many times. Like how many uh, seconds would you would, listen to it for? I wouldn't be, <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to giving it, uh, at least, at least one listen to see how it is. All right. I want to get back to this injury because our producer Debo says he went to Penn State and he <laughs> says that he watched you in some basketball games and that you could hoop. And I read here you went 42 at the, at the combine on vert. And so I want to know, is the hoop game strong or is he just not very <laughs> good himself? The hoop game is strong. You know, it's a, um, the hoop game is strong. Um, I actually was talking to one of my buddies. Um, I have such a strong love for basketball. Everybody always asks me, like, uh, when is the last time I hooped? And um, I haven't touched a basketball in a minute, and I don't foresee it. My biggest fear is me touching the basketball and not being where I left off at. Okay. I would just rather just not touch it i have a i have a, a deep a deep love for basketball so did you ever regret not pursuing basketball because i know a lot of nfl players when they saw some of the nba contracts going about 200 million plus all guaranteed <laughs> a lot of guys were thinking man i should have played that sport did you ever like seriously consider going the hoops route um i did i did uh about halfway about halfway through high school you know and um for me uh, as i as i progressed in my high school career you know um, i was pretty good in basketball but um football just football had become just a lot easier you know so um it was one of those things where um i had to make a i had to make a business decision you know i'm not i'm not one of those guys who will just say you know um i definitely could have played in the nba or something like that you know i know uh the extreme amount of skill that it that it took and i was pretty good you know but at the same time, you know, watching watching a lot of these guys, you know, at the at the point guard position, the two guard position, um, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not too sure where I would have where I would have stood in that. All right, so who else in the NBA or in the Jags? Because I I grew up at the University of Miami with all kind of football dudes, and every one of them swore that they could hoop. So my, I guess my question would be, what's what's the top three players on the Jags in terms of hoop game? I would say me, Mercedes Lewis, and. I'm trying to let me let me think of a third. Give me like I know Mercedes. Give me a game Mercedes type. Like what's what's your game type? So I could kind of visualize this. Like who? Like give me an NBA player that you would say would be a a version. My playing style. I would say I, my playing style would be very similar to uh, to Russell Westbrook. Oh, okay. I like Ooh. it. All right. Getting after it, flying around the court, yeah. you yeah, know, just yeah. doing I everything. Was a, I was a, I was a, I was a get to the basket guy and pull up the transition for sure. And so you're not that afraid was, to shoot. Kinda, that was, that was my game. So you're not no, afraid no, to no, shoot. No. <laughs> not at all. Not hey, at all. So obviously Doug Marone has had a big, uh, hand in this turnaround, but also like there's a lot of talk of Tom Coughlin and what he's brought to this. Like is he still, as strict as ever with the time and being five minutes early, Coughlin time, or is he more reserved kind of from a front office role where you guys don't interact with him much? Um, he's for sure, uh, involved, you know, and everything, like you said, um, about the Coughlin time, you know, when we get to, when we get to our away games, the hotel clocks are typically in our rooms are set five minutes, uh, fast. So, um, he's definitely, um, on the details when it comes to time and, and, uh, specifics. 
All right. To wrap up the interview, want to do some superlatives. It's what we do with all our <laughs> guests. We get, uh, we get you out of here, have some fun. So with, if you had to, let's say there was a karaoke competition and you had mm-hmm. to nail every single lyric <laughs> to save your life, what song would you choose to sing? Ooh, that's tough. I would say <laughs> Lil Wayne Amelie. What? Oh, There's oh, so Millie, many lyrics oh, in that song. Are you confident? You're that confident? I, I, I am pretty confident in that song. Actually, um, Millie, when I was, Millie, when you guys Millie. were asking me the yeah. question, I was, I was really thinking, but I, off the top of my head, I believe that would be one that I for sure, either that one or, uh, or Fireman. Fireman? Oh, <laughs> I'm like so impressed. For, for whatever, for whatever reason. I just, those are those are two off the top of my head that I believe I'll be able to uh, for sure will have will be at about ninety seven percent at least as far as knowing the lyrics to that song. <laughs> All right, um, whose DM are you most likely to slide into? I'm not a DM slider. Oh no! What? Come on! All right, all right. Uh, who's your top search on Instagram? Top search on Instagram? Yeah. It would have to be a sneaker site. Oh, what? For sure. Uh, I'm a sneaker, I'm a sneaker head. So, um, on, on Instagram, I'm really, I'm like, I follow uh, a decent amount of sneaker pages. So I would have to say a sneaker page. What's uh, your... I wouldn't say, uh, nothing too crazy at all. <laughs> What's your go-to sneaker? My go-to, my favorite sneaker, um, for me, whenever I, whenever I get like a, a nice pair of sneakers, I try to get two of my favorite pairs. So either the PSNY, uh, Jordan 12s, or the uh, Ferrari 14. Ooh, you got two sneaker uh, so heads in the building right now. Sneakerhead. So you're a Jordan. You like you like the Jays. You're a, a vintage J dude. Okay, let me ask you. You're watching a TV show. What's what TV show that you do you watch that when someone comes in the room you're gonna flip the channel real quick so they don't know you watch it. I'm not gonna lie. Love and hip hop. It's I don't know if it's under the category of comedy, but I definitely think it should be. <laughs> yeah, For sure. it's thoroughly entertaining. For sure. Who was the player on the Jags that was most upset when the ping pong tables were removed? Most upset. Hmm. It was a lot of guys upset. I would say um, a lot of guys in the D line room. They were they were pretty upset. I was upset myself. So, um, but to to kind of uh, know who like was most upset. There's a lot of guys who weren't too happy about that. <laughs> nice. Hey, uh, we really appreciate having on. Hannah's got one more. Uh, Alan, who's most likely to get a tattoo of themselves catching a pass on their ribs? <laughs> um, that's a tough question, but I'll probably have to say myself. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. When did you get that? Um, I got it, uh, two years ago. Nice. Yeah, it's one of the most iconic catches in college. <laughs> Definitely in Penn State lore. I uh, going it. after that one for sure. Alan, best bar at Penn State, and why is it the Den? <laughs> you got yeah, the Den for sure. Um, I don't know. I haven't had um, I haven't had a bad night. Well, I didn't have a bad night uh, ever going to the Den. So um, for me, it's uh, by by far the Den. Better looking girls, State College or Jacksonville? 
State College for sure. <laughs> what, what is there to do in Jacksonville, man? Like, hey, I, wait, I lived in Jacksonville for like a year. Okay, guys, I thought they were good-looking girls in Jacksonville too. But you're right, there's not much to do. All right. <laughs> hey, Alan, I know you uh, you studied some broadcasting up there at Penn State. I think you're going to be phenomenal if you ever decide to get in this business. Make sure you hit us up. And uh, best of luck with rehab. Best of luck to the Jags. You guys make that Super Bowl push. And uh, we appreciate you coming on, man. Appreciate it. Will do. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Good luck, Thank you, Alan. All right. Here's what's happening with Hannah. Oklahoma freshman Trey Young has been hooping all season, so Tuesday was a bit of a struggle. As the Sooners fell 87-69 to to Kansas State, Young did notch up 20, but shot just 2-10 and from 3 while committing 12 turnovers. It's only going to get harder for the young (laughs) Trey Young. No, he's just so fantastic that everyone's going to have to game plan for him. It's going to be if we stop Trey Young, we have a chance to beat Oklahoma. So, um Look for the turnovers to go up, shooting percentage to go down. He just needs to continue to, to grow as a player and, and, and get into the NBA draft because he's made his way into the top ten. Another game, another huge performance from Anthony Davis. The Brow dropped 45 points and collected 16 rebounds as the Pelicans knocked off the Celtics 116-113 to 113 in overtime. This after 48-17 and 17 on Sunday. And in January, Davis averaging 34-13. and 13. This was, let me showcase my talent for this team that I would really like to play for and save me from the New Orleans Pelicans. No, the Pelicans have something. Look, they've got two of the best big men in the game right now, so... You know, if they could figure that out, um, you know, they've got two anchors there. He's, he might be the best player in the NBA. Over to an incredibly sad story. Washington State University quarterback Tyler Helinski died from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound, police said on Tuesday. Now, Helinski, a redshirt fresh, or, excuse me, a redshirt sophomore, was set to take over the starting quarterback job next season for the departing Luke Falk. Helinski started the team's holiday bowl loss to Michigan State. This is such a tragedy. I think this is something we're seeing happen way too often with some young people, like guys that have the world that's seemingly at their fingertips, but you never know what's really going on. He did look like he was settled to be the starter at Washington State. You think everything's going great, but then you realize there were some real demons inside him. I think like mental health is an issue as a country that we need to really start focusing on, especially we don't know the effects the of youth. social media, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all this that's having on our youth. So we got to figure out something. But just a tragedy there for Washington State and that community. Absolutely. And lastly, Heisman Trophy runner-up Bryce Love will have a chance to capture the award again next season as a Stanford running back announced he is heading back to school. Love waited all the way until Monday's deadline. All right. So this is a great story, and I love it because I think it's a really interesting dynamic because Bryce Love is phenomenal. Would have been most likely a first-round pick had he decided to come out. He says, nope, I'm going to go back. I used to be hardcore, go to school, get your degree, but with the money that's at stake nowadays, he's probably looking at 10 mil guaranteed if he leaves. Instead, he's going back. He's going to risk injury. What What do you make of his decision? You, Is it a foolish decision? You upped up. <laughs> like, no, I listen. I, I all, College were some of the best years of my life. Yeah. If you have a chance to, to experience it, like, experience it. But making $10 million guaranteed, like, it's pretty cool, too. And I'm not risking, I'm not risking my damn knees when I know that that's guaranteed. I'm, I'm torn not. with this one because I think from a strictly business perspective, you just said, all right, let's make a business decision. You tell them to go. But the emotional, um, fun perspective, like you can enjoy the college experience. Stop. Here's the thing. I'm, <laughs> all right. Here's the thing though. I've met Bryce Love. He yeah. is a unique cat. Like, and he's a Stanford guy. Yeah. He has, I, I think he has, I don't think he has a five-year plan. I think he has a 10, a 20, and a 30-year plan. And I think for him, 
to what he wants to accomplish. I think one of his goals is the NFL, but I think he also wants to be a doctor. Yeah. He wants to cure things. Great. Like he wants to cure diseases. Great. Go, <laughs> go back in the offseason and do that. <laughs> Which I did have a lot of kickback yeah. when I said good for him for going back. Yeah. But here's the thing. He can protect himself. Stanford could actually pay well, that's for my a question. policy. If Stanford is going to guarantee him the money, pay him. then pay him the money. They'll, now, that's fine. They'll, well, they won't pay him the money. But they'll get him an insurance deal. So he can have loss of value. So if he gets hurt and is slower and doesn't get drafted until the fourth or fifth round, yep. they can make up the difference. Good. And then he has catastrophic, catastrophic insurance. So if he has a career-ending injury, he could recoup some of that money too. Yeah, I mean, look, I, if, if if all of those are in place and Stanford's going to foot the bill for that and, and you just want to be there, I don't I don't know what I could say other than I did go back to school. Like I, I got my degree. Um, if I wanted to be curing anything, I could still be doing it right now. <laughs> yeah. um, if you have a chance to make <laughs> that type of money, bro, go make it. Right. The one thing that's not protective is he's just not as good. Right. Like that, if he's not as good and you don't capitalize on that opportunity, hey. then he's not going to get that money. But I, I kind of, I think he has his priorities where we all should have them. Yeah. But none of us really do. <laughs> no, but you should realize though, the importance because of money. You, you go to school to do what? To get a degree. To, and so that you can thusly do what? <laughs> get a job. So that you can do what? Make money. Correct. And you've already established that you're going to make money, probably more than you ever would with any job that you're going to get, getting the degree. So, like, I, hey, dude, yeah. I hear you, bro. I don't know. Well, Good for be, you. Good for him. He's going to be a front runner for the Heisman, along with Tua Tonga-Valoa from, uh, from Alabama, also Jonathan Taylor. But it may, it's good for college football. So we're all selfishly, hey, we can watch sure. another year at Stanford. All right, in the NFL, we're finally start. I think it's interesting because the college football coaching carousel is crazy, just as crazy as the NFL. But there always sees there's a race to get that coach. They they want to hire him now so they can start recruiting. NFL, it's not so much. Like they take their time. There's a little more of a drawn out process. They have to interview more coaches due to the Rooney Rule. But we are finally starting to see some pieces fall into place. Uh, with the Colts, Josh McDaniels expected to take over the head coaching job for the Colts after the Patriots season is over, of course. You got Matt Patricia expected to go to the uh, Detroit Lions again after the Patriots season is over, which they hope is after the Super Bowl. Pat Shermer expected to be the head coach of the New York Giants. Arizona and Tennessee are still vacant after Mike Malarkey. It was interesting reporting on this one because there was one said he was going to extend after, you know, uh, uh, getting to the second round right. of the playoffs. Then they mutually parted ways. What it's, is that? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I thought he was done because there was a lot of speculation coming out the, at the end of the regular season. Right. But then they get in, they go to Kansas City, and they win, and it's like, oh – but that's the thing that's crazy about this, that your future can flip on because of one game. Like right. all of a sudden you're a good coach because you had a, you know, a couple fluky plays yeah. where Mariota catches a touchdown to him. But I thought he had lost the locker room when players were criticizing his play calling, saying maybe Marcus Mariota's struggles aren't because of him but because oh. of the play calling. Okay. So I thought that was kind of a uh, an interesting nugget to come out of there. The Browns, how about this one? Interviewing Ben McAdoo, oh, for offensive coordinator. Your boy. Jesus. Your boy. This is the stuff that drives me nuts. All of this, even even McDaniels and Patricia I was getting say. head coaches, it's such an old boys network. Have some innovation, but this is how lazy owners are and and GMs that are hiring head coaches. They just look around and they say, All right, who's a good team? Oh, the Patriots, they're a dynasty. Josh McDaniels, Matt, they're the coordinators. Let's make them our head coach. Well well, I would like the the Matt Patricia signing, like, that's exciting to me because you've never seen him do it. Right. Like, so if you're going to go to New England and say, all right, I'm going to take one of these young assistants that haven't proven to me that they're just mediocre as a head coach because the other two have. Yeah. Like, one's not even mediocre. 
Like Pat Shermer's nine and twenty three. That's not even mediocre. Now, granted, it was in Cleveland, was so completely all right. It was the Browns. So there's <laughs> yeah. a little bit of a a Brown effect there, but like Matt Patricia, I get it. Like I'm excited to see what he's going to do. The other two, I'm just not I, like. If I'm a fan base, I'm not like, yay. Right. You know, it's like, okay. Right. It'll be uh, some of these higher – like the Josh McDaniels experiment in Denver was a disaster. Like it did not go well. Right. Uh, it, he was personality conflicts. Like didn't – like has he changed as a person? I don't know. Probably and not. And has he learned it all? I I don't know. The Pat Shermer hire I think is is a good hire. If you look at the success he's had in Minnesota with – Three different quarterbacks with Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Sam Bradford, and then getting what he got out of Case Keenum this year might be his most impressive feat as a head coach yet. And maybe you go that Browns where it's like, yeah, who who can win with the Browns? Belichick was at the Browns. I mean, he couldn't win there. If he couldn't win there, who can anybody right, win there? Right. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. We'll and they see. need an offensive, like they need an offensive guy in yeah. New York. Like they need yeah. they need a, they need somebody to take I those weapons. I thought one of the interesting in. decisions was for Josh McDaniels because Tennessee was rumored to be after him as well. The fact that he decided the Colts because I think they have Andrew Luck is upside, I think is higher than Marcus Mar- Mariota, but I think that the roster there is a disaster where the Titans we saw what they did. I mean, they got a good roster on the defense. They got some young talent there. And you got Marcus Mariota, who would be more of a project. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting that McDaniels chose the Colts over the Titans. Uh, and I don't know if that tells you anything about those uh, those players uh, that you're dealing with there. Um, all right, so we got the coaches' carousel starting to settle. Let's do some topics, Debo. What do we got to finish up the show with? All right, we talked with Allen Robinson about trash talking, and the yeah. Jags have some great ones. Sean Payton should just stop. He's awful oh. at it. So you remember earlier in the regular season, he made the choking gesture towards the Falcons' Devontae Freeman. The Saints lost that game. (laughs) This past Sunday, after the Saints went up with their field goal, Peyton thought the game was in hand. A lot of people did. But Peyton started to do the skull clap, which the Vikings fans are known for, towards the fans on the sideline. (laughs) We know what happened next. This dude should stop trash talking, right? The more I see like Sean Payton and some of his antics on the sideline, I wonder if he's just a jerk. Like right. maybe he is. I don't know. <laughs> I like can you have you not learned your lesson until that clock says zero? And even then, usually head coaches aren't the ones that you want to see. Like if I'm an owner of the Saints, I, I'm looking at that being like, oh, really? Right. Like you're supposed to be the face of our franchise. Let the players do the trash talking. Let those guys interact. You're getting so caught up in the fans that you're taunting the fans. Yeah, like it no, just, it's so annoying. It's like, really go annoying. Go away. I think it's so <laughs> – it's just like rude. Like just shut yeah. up. Yeah. Absolute <laughs> terrible look for a coach. Never yes. get caught up in stuff in the, in the stands. Yeah, no. it doesn't matter. Like move on with your life. You have bigger and better things to conquer. So we've seen some crazy stuff in the NBA over the past couple of days. Well, Amari Stoudemire, a former teammate of Raja, was on Deezus and Marrow the other day and shared his craziest story from his time in the NBA. So one incident where one player was kept jabbing and picking on, just kind of kept talking to another player. And the guy was like, you know, I'm going to get you. Mm-hmm. So right before the game, you know, you got 30 minutes on the clock. We go out at about 25, start warming up. So right before we started to go out to warm up, he creeps up behind him, puts him in a headlock. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there lacing my shoes up, puts him in a headlock, and lays him down. What? Is he asleep? <laughs> what? I, said, I go over to him, hey, man, let's <laughs> stop playing. Let's go, man. Your man's knocked out? He wakes up like, <laughs> yes. Raja, what? was it you? Oh, it was not me, but I was there. 
<laughs> Can we yeah, get some was details? Was it Shaquille O'Neal and Gordon Gerchak? It was Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> and Gita, yes. And it was, it was, I mean, it was crazy to see Gita like sound asleep in his locker, but <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't done in, in like a fighting way. It was kind of jokey, jokey. Like Goran was messing with him. They were play, play. And then, you know, Shaq locked him up and Gita went to sleep. It was Shaq's crazy, like though. the biggest jokester around. Shaq is like, Shaq, yeah, Shaq is a clown. But like, was in he a, though? In a good way. Like, a, like just yeah. keeps the, like, the atmosphere light and, and, but was that like his way of getting by, like doing what he wanted to do, just making a joke out of it? Was that the diesel? Yeah. I mean, uh, probably. Like if you're always funny, like people give you a pass, right? Because you're you're. It's just Shaq yeah. being Shaq. But um, no, I. You could tell, like if Shaq wanted to fight you, you'd know. You know what I mean? Like he didn't want to fight him. It was just, but it was crazy. Right. Talking about sports feuds, he has an upcoming special All Star Weekend where he sits down with Kobe Bryant, a la that Magic Isaiah thing Ooh. we saw. So that will, there, will their tears be shed in that one? I don't think so. They, I, I don't think there's gonna be tears. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. A uh, personal story for Raja now, maybe a personal story for Danny. So on Friday, you were playing golf with Johnny Damon. Yeah. On Saturday, he was at a bar singing karaoke. <laughs> Roger Clemens and Johnny Damon apparently pressured NASCAR driver Denny Hamlin into singing karaoke. Yo, you have to have some serious Danny. balls to do that. <laughs> Danny, is there footage of you out there? No, there's not. So I had my wife and kids there. So I shut it down Saturday night early, but I should have gone to it. It's apparently it's a yearly thing where they all go. And I talked to Damon about going. And I was like, you know, I was like, I probably should be the family guy, the dad, stay at home. But it sounds like they had a pretty good time. Well, you missed the live performance of yes. that song song? Oh, How could you? Jenny Hamlin's kind of buttoned up. Like, he's not exactly a guy that's going to go out there and just, like, goofball, like a guy that's going to be up there on stage. Right. They obviously had to do some some tweaking to get him up there. I so hope I, he, like, lost a bet. Like, I, there's, I hope he didn't, like, be like, oh, I'm going to pick this one in the right. book. Like, I did play with, uh, so I got to hang out with Josh Beckett a little bit. And I don't know if you remember the story. He was arrested like six months ago at a concert. Okay. And basically a guy dared him. A buddy of him dared him, said, I'll give you $75,000 oh. if you go tackle I'm the in. lead singer. Tackle the lead singer during his song, during his yeah. performance. And Becca was like, yeah, I'll do I'm it. In. Yeah, I would Goes do Goes and like, there's a picture of him sideways, midair, like <laughs> Superman, clothesline the dude. So I asked Beckett, I'm like, you, cause he got arrested. It looked really bad. I was like, did the guy pay up? And he said, yep. Uh, yeah. so the guy paid up the seventy five grand. What do you think legal fees are for that? <laughs> I don't, like how not, much do you probably how much ten? Do you net probably after, ten or fifteen. So you're, you're probably you're, clearing fifty. I feel when like it's you all could just tell the lead singer, like, look, I was in a pickle. Like I, he offered me this money <laughs> Dude, and I couldn't say no. Here's fifteen yeah. racks. You're yeah. good. You're yeah. good. I'm good. Everybody wins. <laughs> exactly. All right, I'm gonna let Hannah mostly take this one. You were very excited in the office the other day. There's a new athlete celebrity couple. In the world that we have to deal with. I was, I was not excited about this one because I knew about it like two months ago Whoa. and told everyone and Whoa. nobody believed me. And now alas, it is official. Aaron Rodgers, Danica Patrick are dating. Hold on a second. Back, back up, back up. How did you know this was happening two months ago? My inside sources. No, I know. I need to know. Ayo. We need to know. So what she your also are. broke up with her NASCAR boyfriend well, two that, months ago. That's what I was wondering. That's what I was going to get Aaron to. Aaron Rodgers wasted no time. Let's just say that. Apparently I don't not. know. 
I don't know. I don't know like really how long they've been dating. I just know that like people saw them together a while ago and people were already talking about it. We're so going to get picked official. up by some like gossip blogs because yeah. of this. <laughs> yes. It's fine. It's spotted it. How do you go? Like, I, I wonder how this goes down because once you're in that stratosphere of fame, like both mm-hmm. of them are, right. it's a lot of times you see their publicists like Aaron Rodgers say, Hey, I want to meet Dana. They had met a while ago, but mm-hmm. if he was like, Hey, yeah, how does that work? Her. I don't know. Maybe he DM'd her. I, I, I don't like some of, yeah, maybe he did slide into the <laughs> she's DM. She's beautiful. Oh, yeah. She's you tough. know what, though? She's Good and for she's him. She's retiring. She's getting out. She's doing a couple more races uh, this she? season. She's tough. I don't she's know. Probably that's 40. Her. She's probably a is little she? bit older than him. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is not good looking. Like, the more you look at him, the more you just realize how ugly he is. Yeah, but he's one of those dudes yeah. where his success makes him a lot more attractive. That's, That's why Tebow. I he think Tebow like is nice way. Guy. I think Tebow is not as attractive as girls make him out to be. Looking. Well, because he's successful and because he's he's all <laughs> so that. I just yeah. said I don't think 35. Aaron Rodgers is good looking. <laughs> yeah, Danica's thirty five. Oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Man, Tebow just know her? hates her by five <laughs> That's years. Something you should never do. Does I've interviewed know her before. Is she, she's cool. She's is she cool? Sweet. Yeah, she's nice. Yeah, they seem like the perfect ESPYS couple. Yeah, just to take pictures at the ESPYS. Some of these things I feel like are a business arrangement. Like it's good for everybody. I don't love that. I love it when people like this get together. This like, oh, yeah. this reminds me of like Aaron and J Lo. Like, sign me up. I love this. Did stuff. you see them at the Miami game the other day? By yes. the way, like, like yeah. Aaron J Lo. Like, who wears a suit Thank to you. a basketball game and all done up to the nines? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. he was definitely coming from a meeting. He had a meeting. <laughs> oh, of course, from the A Rod Corp, which he's going you know eight in the morning till eight at night every day. Well, I don't know what they do at the A Rod Corp, but whatever it is, it looks impressive on Instagram. When his uh, publicity team uh, follows him all around. That's I, my boy, though. I like A-Rod. I have one more question, though, and <laughs> yeah. this is this is unscripted. So I saw yesterday that Derek Jeter wants to get rid of the home run sculpture, and he might be having his way. Like, he might. Good. What? It's a laughing stock. So of I the wanted to get y'all's baseball. opinion on this. Is it Brito or Brito, the guy that actually – there's an artist that is a famous artist. Yeah, that actually, Brito. Isn't it Brito? They, because uh, the old owner was a huge art guy. Like, what am I talking a... about? I don't know. <laughs> Loria? Jeffrey Loria? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So do, have you seen the sculpture, Raja? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a mess. It's hideous. It's a mess. You cannot like that I thing. am so mad at you guys. Oh, it's my gosh. It so, is awful. Right. So this is how I feel about it. I'm it's like, obviously, No, of course it's got. It's Miami. Like, obviously, I feel like... Like, it's ugly, right? And you, like, every – the normal person would be like, oh, get rid of it. But, like, it screams Miami. They already took everything we want out of Miami. Everything. We're left with If you can't keep Christian Giancarlo, Yellich. keep the sculpture. Get it out of there. You yes. know what screams Miami is the Clevelander bar out there with the no. pool in the back. And then open up the stadium and look at the beach over that obstruction in your view. No, I love awful. the obstruction. I think that we should add more to it. I think Pitbull should be popping out. So I think there should be Don A-Rod P. A-Rod or team, uh, team DJ? I'm not Team DJ. Why not? No way. Oh, you're you're mad at him. For no, yeah, mad at him. Yeah, he broke up the band. I don't hey. love Derek Jeter either, bro. I gotta be honest. I don't yeah. Whoa! You know who I love though? Oh, Hannah Davis. Material. I do love Hannah, Hannah Davis. Davis is great. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can all agree that we love Hannah Davis. Her brother's good for friends sure. with one of my good friends, so like well, she's, she's cool. an Islands girl, right? I don't really, I don't even know Derek Jeter, I, but like listening to he's Miami cool. people talk about what he's doing to the Marlins, they hate him here. Like I'm kind of like off Derek Jeter right now. I think he's unless the Marlins turn around in like three or four years, and then I'll be back. Yeah, but they're gonna have nobody that we like. You've seen his compensation. I'm not hating on that. Exactly. I think we'd all be doing it. All right. Uh, let us know on Twitter, at Canel and Bell, should the Marlins keep the awful statue? Say yes outfield. or I'll come find you. Right. <laughs> or Hannah will find you out. Uh, but that's it for our show. Thanks for checking us out. Make sure you go check us out on Apple Podcasts. 
Uh, subscribe, leave us a review, leave us a five star review, ask us a question. We will get those on Friday on our five star Q&A. We got our picks and props coming up Friday for championship weekend. I'm going to give out one lock, just like I did last week with the Eagles lock of there. So don't gamble all of our picks or you will lose. <laughs> and, uh, make sure you check us out. We appreciate you listening. Thanks a lot.